Sir, we've had a little problem. These two women are just arriving. They objected to giving up their weapons. Klingons do not surrender their weapons. Who are you? We are Lursa and Baton of the House of Duras. Hello and welcome to the Duras Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. And today we are thrilled to welcome the Random Red Shirt Podcast. Everyone say hello to Zach and Chris. Hello. Hello. Chris. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, absolutely. This is a exciting episode. We are doing, I think I would say part two of our collaboration. Last week we were on your show and we talked all about the Klingons and the Dura sisters because that's who we are, obviously. And so this week we thought, why not talk about random red shirts in honor of your podcast? That's right. Yeah, we're 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 the exception to the norm. We survive every episode. Yes. <laughs> Thankfully. Yeah. So I think whenever we have guests on, we ask them a couple of standard questions. So Chris, I'll have you go first. How did you get into Star Trek? Thank you, Ashlyn. Yeah, I grew up. I did grow up watching Star Trek. I've um, always watched the reruns of of toss when i grew up and really really loved those and enjoyed those and loved science fiction um and also loved the next generation so ne- next generation was kind of um you know after after watching a lot of the the reruns of of toss and then and then seeing next generation come on really i started to love that and love the ideas presented there so i've always been into science fiction and and having that there just made it made it a real joy to watch and kind of immerse myself in Star Trek and um, learning about the characters and and seeing how they behaved and and kind of understanding um, their ideals and 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 those kind of ideas becoming part of my life. So so as probably many of us, you know, we we grew up watching Star Trek and it be, became like part of us and a and a great great kind of love that that we all share. So that's me. That's me. Yeah. I love, love that. that. Yeah. Zach Zach, what about you? Well, this is the yin and the yang to our <laughs> our our uh, podcast here because usually in our podcast, Chris goes into great philosophical detail, some great well thought out answers, and I'm talking about phasers and explosions and ships and stuff. But for me, um, I, I grew up watching Star Trek. Uh, the some of the earliest memories I can think of is my mom having um, reruns of like Next Generation, the original series, on in the background. I didn't really pay attention too much to it. I was too busy playing toys and all that stuff, as most kids do. And then I would watch. Star Trek, you know, here and there, I, I saw f- uh, fond memories of of going down to Blockbuster Video and renting VHS tapes with like two episodes of Star Trek on it and watching them like 10 times. And then it, it, and I had a lot of friends growing up who were like diehard Star Wars fans. And I, I like Star Wars, too. But so there were a couple of us that were more into Star Trek than Star Wars and then vice versa. Um, but it, it really wasn't until a little bit later in life where I started getting more into liking star trek less for the ships and the phasers and the the fights and everything to more of you know the the things that star trek addresses right the the socio-political questions and and the social norms and challenging all those things is what what really i think sets star trek apart so um i've watched star trek since a kid and it's yeah i mean i'm a diehard trekkie so i love it zach that's so cool because i feel like with star trek i love that there's is this outer layer that you can enjoy as a kid and just be like, oh, cool, like, look at all these new aliens every week. And then once you watch it more growing up, and then as an adult with all these new perspectives, you see into so many of the deeper topics that they're getting into, and you can enjoy it in both different ways, you know, and I love that with Star Trek, we can always keep 
digging deeper. That's so cool. Yeah, you can. I mean, you can go as deep as you want with Star Trek, or you can stay right in the surface and just enjoy enjoy it for what its physical appearance is. Um, and it does. It, it attracts people from all walks of life who become you know, friends and, and, or colleagues. And, um, it doesn't matter what you like or everything. Uh, Star Trek, it has something for everybody, which I think is great. Yeah, totally agree with you. So along those same lines, Zach, who's your favorite Star Trek character? My favorite Star Trek character. Well, uh, it's, it's very pronounced. If you listen to our podcast, uh, it definitely comes up. I know Chris knows the answer to this, but mine's the chief chief O'Brien. It hasn't always been him, but for a long time, it, it has been mostly because I kind of relate to him. He's like a blue collar working man. He's got a family. He's got kids. The station on D Space Nine would not operate if it wasn't for him being able to take all that Cardassian tech and be able to integrate in Starfleet tech or Federation technology, I should say. He was just kind of that lowly transporter chief that a lot of people made memes of you know, and TNG, and then got a bigger role on, on DS9 as the chief of operations of the station. And they put him through the ringer and he keeps coming back. It's like every episode, there's a joke of how they're going to, you know, screw with O'Brien on this episode. And they're some of the best episodes of, of DS9, in my opinion, are O'Brien episodes. So definitely a chief for me. Yeah, they they really put him through the ringer <laughs> into Space Nine. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, if you look it up, there's a lot of really funny things that talk about all the things that they do to chiefs like did they hate him or something like why did they constantly harass him all the time but uh, he, he's you know he's nothing if not uh someone who gets right back up and and keeps on going and i mean heck he's very knowledgeable so why wouldn't you want him at starfleet academy teaching your future you know engineering officers yeah absolutely yeah i love, I love to hear non-captain answers for this mm -hmm. so chris now i'm wondering who is your favorite star trek character and if it's a captain it's okay <laughs> it's okay it's okay if it's a captain yes. it, it is it is a captain but I'll, I'll follow up with with a close second with someone else so my favorite i would have to say how i feel at, at the moment would be uh captain picard um so you know captain picard is is very thoughtful right he's very charismatic he's very principle driven even though he keeps himself a little bit separate from his crew. He does care deeply about like how his crew like develops and and how they advance in their careers. Um, so so a little bit about Star Trek, you know, and why I love it. Going back about why I love it too. Um, the idea of space, I love space, and the idea of, like exploration. But why Picard is interesting to me is because as they are exploring space and all of this unknown, like out there, this tangible like physical space. Picard is interesting because he is also exploring his internal principles and then bringing those those principles out like into his his encounters with people and how he makes kind of the very very important decisions that he makes um, as captain of the enterprise. So so I think that that is it is a wonderful kind of juxtaposition and dichotomy to see that hey there's you're physically exploring space and the universe but at the same time you're you know you know exploring what it means to have different types of principles and what is right and what is wrong. Um, so so that's why like Captain Picard uh, to me like he's he's my favorite and followed very close second by um, I love Spock. So I, I love Spock and um, Leonard Nimoy and that was just just wonderful to have him as a as a as a main character on on Toss and exploring that um, you know he's totally exploring his internal humanity and what it, what it means to have part of him be human while they're exploring all of these unknowns and in space so um yeah those are those are 
my favorite and my and my close my my close second second favorite very close very close Chris I love that I'm feeling so similarly to you like I absolutely love the way that they do the space exploration and I'm so obsessed with like just the concept of it and yeah I just love your answer Picard and also Spock is my favorite so (laughs) well and I was I was gonna check in Rihanna just to make sure Spock is Mm -hmm. still your favorite oh yeah okay cool I have a like little shrine going for him so he's still going strong (laughs) I had a major life change this year because Picard has been my favorite character since I saw TNG and now it's Janeway just Mm -hmm. like she has surpassed him just barely um so I yeah I never thought anyone could beat Picard but I I don't know there's just something about Janeway she's amazing yeah. Now, why random red shirts? Tell us about your podcast. Tell us about your your name that you chose. <laughs> well, we thought it was it's it's very uh, you know, it's great. You know, the idea of the red shirt of being a disposable kind of character and known as a disposable character in science fiction and pop culture, um, and then it being a comedic thing that is always there. So Zach, as Zach and I were talking about the random sh- red shirt, like, wouldn't it be great if we were the random red shirts that like always uh, survived? Like we continued and and we made it. So we thought that was that was funny. That'd be kind of a great a great kind of way to introduce us as as the podcast. And so we we really really love it. So that's a little bit of an origin of our of our namesake. And Zach Zach, if you want to add any more to that too. Well, I mean, our <clears throat> we we started uh, with the idea of this podcast that we do, kind of similar to what how you guys did it. Um, we we didn't start the same year you guys did. Uh, we started back in. Um, like early to mid 2021. Um, but the whole concept of our podcast came out of the idea of Chris and I chatting on the phone about all sorts of random geeky, nerdy, you know, uh, sci-fi, Star Trek, Star Wars, whatever type stuff. And then one day we get the idea, like, we should try and record this and see if anybody listens besides like our family members, you know, like, like three listeners. I'm like, oh, I guess we're not doing this anymore. Uh, but that wasn't the case. It, it, the podcast has kind of exploded and we're like, oh my gosh, like people out there actually want to listen to us talk and listen to Chris's philosophical inputs and my yammering about randomly weird stuff. Um, which, but it kind of, it kind of works out. They get, they get some deep thought provoking ideas from Chris and then, then they hear my superficial, uh, comments, but, um, yeah, it just kind of came out of our conversations on the phone, which I think you guys had said that was kind of similar, right? You guys talked a lot about Star Trek and you're like, hey, why don't we record this and see if anybody listens to it? So exactly. Um, that's, yeah. And originally when we started talking about the podcast, my initial thought was, well, let's do a podcast talking about Star Trek. And then the more we talked, we said, well, we could talk a lot about Star Trek, but there's so much like science fiction and fantasy and just pop culture nerd stuff out there that we could talk about. Let's let's expand it to talk about a whole variety of different things and so that's what we do we're not exclusively a star trek podcast although we do talk a lot about trek so i love that rihanna and i have a very similar dynamic where she's very philosophical and brings her english degree to the podcast all the time and i'm just like saying some batshit stuff (laughs) (laughs) i think this will be a good episode we had a great time on your show last week everyone i definitely encourage you to check out our klingon episode on random red shirt And I also just a couple of housekeeping things I want to say today is Trek Talks 2, where uh, a bunch of celebrities are getting together to raise money for the Hollywood Food Coalition. By the time this is out, it will have ended, but you can still donate. So I encourage you to look up the Hollywood Food Coalition, Trek Talks 2. I know it was hosted by Trek Geeks podcast. There were some amazing collaborations with the Sci-Fi Sisters and Ron Berry, you know, whole network of Ron Berry's, (laughs) the whole fleet. (laughs) Yeah. So I really encourage you to check that out today. 
But now let's dive in. Let's talk about red shirts. <laughs> I am very excited that we have a lot of red shirts we are wearing in the studio, <laughs> all of us yeah. in the Zoom studio. Yeah. And Ashlyn, you want to talk about <laughs> what you're wearing? <laughs> yeah, all the red shirts and Ashlyn. I'm wearing my <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing my blue lower decks uniform because I love Tendi and blue is my favorite color. And I think I would go into the sciences maybe if I was in Starfleet. But also I do think that after the original series, the people who are dying for no reason are the lower deckers. It's people we've never heard of who are cadets and ensigns and you know, yeah. newly promoted lieutenants who would never live to see the next day. So I'm here to represent them. Beautiful. Nice. <laughs> nice. We are packing because we're moving pretty soon. And so I was like looking for a red shirt. I'm like, do I even have one? And so this is actually my girlfriend's random red shirt that she found in her closet. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> it worked out. And it's even got a turtleneck too. So it keeps you warm yeah. on those cold planets. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm all set. It's a real random red shirt. I love that. Yeah. That really truly is the definition. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, let's get started. So <laughs> I didn't realize this. Rihanna did a lot of great research beforehand and 26 red shirts die in the original series. And I believe there are like 53 episodes, three seasons. So this is a red shirt dying per like maybe every other episode almost. It, to the point where when it was on TV, it became a running joke. And it, I mean, there's thousands of memes. It's a cultural phenomenon that if Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and Leroy are beaming down to the planet, you know Leroy's not coming back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, RIP. Yeah. I think let's just dive in. Let's talk about TOS and how they use that trope. Because for me, I think it adds almost a campy value when you have random people dying, especially some of the ways that they die. I was uh, looking through and uh, I want to shout out to Crewman Thompson, who was killed in by any other name because she was turned into a cube, like a, a white cube and then crushed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Aww. So what, are, what do you all think about the like just the use of the random person dying as a like trope in television and Star Trek. I think for me, um, you look back at the 1960s original series and they beam down to the planet, you know, it's a planet of the week, right? So there's, there's going to be trouble. They have to have some type of conflict for these characters to go through. If they just beam down and find some plants and animals and then beam back up, people would stop tuning in. Right. So like you said, Ashlyn, like, you know, you get Kirk Spock, McCoy and Ensign Ricky who beam down, who's not coming back. Well, I mean, uh, you, you know, you're not going to kill off a main character, at least not in the original series. Um, other other series, uh, it, it, Star Trek series have killed main characters off. Um, you know, we won't talk about some of the characters who have died Ooh. because it's too sad to talk about. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where um, I, I think they they had to have crew members either get severely injured or die in order to build up the the tension right build up the you know the plot and and reach the climax of whatever story they were telling so obviously it was from a story perspective but i always wondered like at what point were people watching the 60s going hey wait wait a second people keep dying every time they beam down to the planet and then who's keeping track of that like when did that become a thing where people started noticing that you know rando crewman number 4 in the background dies you know and then what's the scene on the ship beforehand like they're all going all right who's going down to the planet surface and they're all drawing straws and ensign ricky goes ah crap i got the short straw i'm not coming back guys sorry um so i i think 
you know, obviously from a, from a writing perspective, it was to further the plot and, you know, with Star Trek back then, they, they barely even made it to a third season. If it wasn't for, um, oh geez. And I'm going to forget their names now. Uh, who was it? The, the older couple who was writing, you know, writing letters to CBS Paramount to continue the show. They didn't, they almost didn't even get three seasons, let alone, you know, anything outside of that. So they probably weren't thinking, you know, ahead of time, like, oh, well, this is going to become a thing where people are dying and people remember that. It's just, just part of furthering the plot, I guess. That's how, that's how I, you know, initially see it. Yeah, I, I do think it's great. It gives a little bit of a, a sense of danger, but also campiness to that danger. You know, it fa falls in line with, um, with Toss, you have that, you know, the, the great music that's in, in Toss too, like when, when we have a lot of the, the fight scenes where there's danger. Um, so, so you see, you see that, and I think it's, it's a great kind of add, add to that to kind of have them there, have them go through these just ridiculous, like demises, which, which is, which is funny. Like I was totally thinking about when, when both of the, I think it was both red shirts got turned into mineral cubes, turned into mineral cubes, and then, and then crushed and then, and thinking that, that is, um, very creative. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, that is, that is very creative when the writers thought, yeah, how can we make these, these two, uh, these two crew members kind of meet their demise. So, so I thought, I thought that was great. There's just a ton of variety of ways they meet their, their demises through the, uh, through the original series. And if you're, if you're a crew member, if you're a crew member on the enterprise, like during that, that time, I would be, you know, I'd be really concerned. It's like every other away mission, like you're going on the away mission and you're not, not coming back. And I'm thinking, oh man, this is uh, maybe I picked, maybe I got assigned to the wrong ship to serve on. So um, that'd be, that, that'd be something. So I love it. I love it. It adds to the, the, the campiness and, and the kind of um, the fun, the fun of each episode. Yeah. I love both of those answers. I really agree. I think that absolutely it's great for writing to show the tension and the stakes are higher when someone dies and we get to see Kirk's reaction and you know then there's always some sort of consequence to it whether it's McCoy calling out Spock for not feeling enough or <laughs> you know like something something will come of it or another angry crewman who then like goes try to avenge his friend and he's dead too now, you know? So <laughs> I think that it can work really well as a device, but I think that sometimes like if I'm seeing it every episode, I'm just sort of like, okay, I don't even care about these people. Like at some point I do want to connect with the people more before they die, because then I can actually have an emotional attachment and it's not just the running joke always. And so I love the exceptions to the rule, like obsession that episode is so great to actually dive into like a red shirt who survived the like slaughter of, of the week of the red shirts and was able to like grieve a bit for his like what he thought was his like inaction of not shooting the like obsession cloud on time you know but turns out it wouldn't have worked anyway and he there's no way he could have saved his crewman but I think that that was a really great like insight into sort of maybe what the survivors of the red shirt uh, and the lower decks feel often because they don't have that plot armor. And I do think though that of course that was used because it was the parallel to Kirk and his loss. I think he was a Lieutenant or something at the time. Um, and, you know, it, it creates a really great episode with a lot of intrigue. So I love that then there are exceptions to the rule. Like we can make this really funny and like somehow sort of just a running gag, but also 
then we can look at the serious or like more serious consequences of them. Yeah, I think that episode is a great utilization of the red shirt character. I I, I love what you're saying about how he really develops a, a background and a story and we're following him and sort of rooting for him through this episode. I also think about episodes like Galileo 7, which I think Rihanna was talking about too, about a red shirt who gets mad that his friend is dead. So he goes off against Spock's orders to try to avenge him. Um, I forgot not... I was talking about that, but I was. I, like, that yeah. was the episode. Thank you. <laughs> I had a feeling. Yeah. Because in that one, it's Spock and McCoy and Scotty down there with a bunch of red shirts. So you don't know what could happen. I think someone dies right away. And then as the episode goes on, we lose more and more characters because they're stranded. Galileo 7 is stranded on this planet and they're working desperately to try to get the shuttle back in the air so the Enterprise can pick them up. But that becomes like an internal conflict within the the group because they're trying to revolt against Spock. They don't really respect him making these command decisions because people keep dying. <laughs> so I also, I think it's interesting too how Kirk and people in command react to these deaths because I think that's a big part of the culture uh, or like what this kind of like cultural meme has become is because sometimes it really eats Kirk up whenever the plot needs him to be sad about it. But otherwise he's like, yep, he, like he, I don't think he thinks about it that often. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I, I, I think there there is an elephant in the room and that is Kirk's command ability. I mean, if you look at it, I, and we were talking about this just the other night, Chris and I were, about kind of comparing and contrasting as we were preparing to come on on your podcast about the different captains and at least what appears in the show on the number of crew members they're losing. And obviously not all the crew members deaths. You could say, Oh, they're Kirk's fault. But I mean, if you look at it, I mean, is there, were there rumors going around like, Oh, you got signed of the enterprise, man. You, you might have a long life expectancy under Kirk because a lot of people die under his command. I don't want to like slam Janeway, but she loses a fair amount of crew members as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, Cisco does too, but that's because they're in a wartime situation with the Dominion and everything else. But yeah, it's really interesting, like the the how they how they they show it in the show. And I think you made a good point, Ashlyn. Like sometimes Kirk's real sad. Other times he's like, oh well, Anson Ricky, you know, we didn't we didn't know him very long, so kind of like with with uh, the. Lieutenant Radchek and Starship Troopers, when somebody dies, getting eaten by a bug, and he's like, all right, move on, you know, like, do your job, or I'm going to shoot you myself, and all this, and so there's a bit of a cold-hearted aspect to the command, you know, structure or whatever, but um, it's it's really fascinating how Kirk both is sad and not sad at the same time. Yeah, Kirk, Kirk is, when he's not, because Kirk has to win, right, so, so his 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 feeling throughout it whatever whatever the predicament they're in he has to win so he's he's a hundred percent or we observe him a hundred percent like focused on that and doing whatever creative kind of maneuvering he has to do um to win that objective on like what what he thinks is right so that so that um you know may like <laughs> overpower like his sensitivity to his crewmen perishing or or meeting their de their, their demise sometimes so yeah but that 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 is is that's that's Kirk and like with Jane Janeway and Cisco and 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 Picard a lot of their episodes we see um you know the kind of real effect that that the harm and the demise of, of their crew members have, have on them so yeah yeah I'm so glad you brought up Kirk uh 
needing to win in that sort of like, oh, I, I don't believe in the no win scenario, um, especially <laughs> because he doesn't believe in it for him and for Spock <laughs> and McCoy and all the people that he cherishes, you know, but it's, it, it is interesting to think of that standpoint. Cause I always thought about Kirk, like, oh, he's compartmentalizing. He's a captain. He like, can't have these feelings about crew members when they're dead because he has to go and be captain still. But I think it's kind of both, you know, like he also still is like, but we're still going to win the day, even if we lost some people along the way. I've never thought about that, Rihanna. That's so true. He's like, eh, the needs of the many, you know, let's yeah. keep going. Next planet. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll give Janeway, I'll give Janeway some credit. Like she, I felt like of all the captains, she seemed the most remorseful when she lost crew members. Yeah. I think part of that is because they were trapped in the Delta Quadrant. It's not like they can just stop at Starbase, whatever, and pick up a new batch, you know? So every <laughs> crew member was so important on Voyager. And I think the writers of Voyager did a good job of, of expressing that through Janeway. Like, you know, we lost X number of crew members and they're thinking to themselves, well, geez, I mean, we can only lose so many before we're going to be unable to make it back home. So every crew member was so critical on Voyager Whereas the Enterprise is like, well, I'll be, you know, just go get another batch of them at the next Starbase, right? I mean, that's just, a, they, it's like a, you know, the cycling through of, of crew members, some of them with names and others that don't even get names because they don't last long enough, so. Absolutely. And I think Janeway, like, they did a good job in the show showing how she was meeting, like, one-on-one -on -one with a lot of these crew members. Like, she would have breakfast with them and she knew them by name and she could check up on them, like, oh, how are you feeling after this happened? So be, like, because it's such a small ship and because they have this like super long journey ahead of them, everyone is precious to her. Absolutely. Yeah. Like even Lindsay Ballard, yeah. when she, they were trying to reintegrate her and like, cause she was just like, I thought about you dying alone in the Delta Quadrant, you know, like that's like the, that for her, feels like a, the worst fate, you know, for her family, like you said. Yeah. I think also Voyager has the benefit of being the fourth Trek. And so at this point, we know a bunch of the side characters in Voyager, like uh, Naomi Wildman, like there are a bunch of like people who would be classified as redshirts, maybe in original series are our friends who we see like in every 12 episodes or something a couple times a season. And I really think that started in Next Generation because we have more time with people than just our main cast, even though we do spend a lot of time with the main cast. Yeah, and I mean, Toss only getting three seasons, everyone's getting more seasons. And TNG, you see a starship, albeit it is a flagship, but you see a starship become a family thing, right? Toss, there was no mention, as far as I'm aware of, of any family stuff living aboard the Enterprise. Maybe maybe <laughs> there was, but I can't remember anywhere. On, on the Enterprise D, there was family life going on. There was a school, there were kids, and so it was a much different dynamic for sure. There would be I so think... many dead families. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think about, I think the only time that the uh, TOS had any family was probably actually the animated series where they all turned into babies. Like the oh. only time you had having kids on board. Yeah. Could you imagine oh, if gosh. there were families on board the original Enterprise? Like Kirk would be like the Anakin of Star Trek. He'd be killing younglings <laughs> left younglings. and right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just not with a lightsaber. He'd be using via the landing party. <laughs> I mean, even what's that terrible? I've, I sorry, I hate that episode where all the kids are on board and they're oh, like, and a child should leave. Oh uh, god, that one's so annoying yeah. to me. But yeah, Kirk has Her no children, idea what to do yeah. with them. He's like, uh, hello. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. and even in that one, you mentioned that. I do want to say that two red shirts were beamed into space because they thought that the ship was still in orbit in that episode. <laughs> so that is. <laughs> 
that is dark. <laughs> like, I just don't know what to do with that because then they just yeah. brush it aside and they're like, anyway, these kids just murder these two red shirts. It's fine. Yeah, it was not like the Enterprise may have been the premier ship, or at least that's how they made it in the original series. But I'll tell you what, if I was a new officer fresh out of Starfleet and they put me in a red shirt, I'd be like, I'll, I'll take anything but the Enterprise. Like, send me anywhere else but the Enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the beamed the beamed into space was hilarious. I I saw that <laughs> I saw that yesterday. It refreshed my memory. I'm like, oh my gosh! Like, um, that was a great, really creative way for them to meet their demise. Oh, that was bad. That was bad. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering, Rian. I think we should talk about the apple because yes. I think that has like the most top tier red shirt <laughs> yes, deaths of please. the original series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's quite a few red shirts, and these are like we've been saying red shirts a lot, but there are a lot of other people who are wearing like in the sciences or, you know, they're wearing yellow command, yeah. whatever ops, I guess is also yellow in this time period. Um, there's, they've not branched out that far yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there are four different men who meet their demise on this planet. And one of them is killed by thorns in a poisonous plant. The second is struck by lightning. Another is killed by an explosive rock another is hit with a stick <laughs> this is what this says this says we are uh referring to the ex astra scientia website we will put it on our patreon and on our uh social media so you can take a look at it too because it's got an extensive amazing list but this just cracked me up i'm like that is so many casualties and they still are just like grinning at the end of the episode like Woo, we did it we saved the day <laughs> yeah the, the one where he's killed by the stick and the club you know that was funny because it's not like the uh the attacker carrying the club not coming really fast you know he's just like walking over and then hits hits the uh the security guard in the back and then that's it then the security guard's done so <laughs> that's <Yeah>. hilarious <clears throat> yeah if you were an admiral back then wouldn't you want an investigation into the training these guys are getting i mean you have phasers albeit on in the apple the phasers don't work right because the 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 god what is ball i think is his name mm -hmm. um had there's some type of of, of energy field or something that's making their phasers not work or something like that but uh yeah you have superior technology you're supposed to have you're supposed to be superior in your intelligence compared to the the inhabitants of this planet <laughs> like okay i'm sorry what, what's they say that guy's name was ensign marple or something like that security yeah. officer marple i mean talk about i think he has maybe the worst death in in toss like he is hit by a stick <laughs> You die via us. I mean, you're a security officer on the Federation flagship and you die by a stick. I mean, what worse? I mean, at least, you know, drop me off a cliff or, you know, I mean, the guy who got hit by an explosive rock. I mean, those were like foam rocks. So it's like you got killed by foam. I mean, you know, in real life, uh, but killed by a stick. I mean, I wonder what that guy would have thought and, you know, being cast like, hey, you're going to be on the Star Trek show, but you're going to die by a stick. <laughs> well i'm getting paid at least i don't yeah, know he's like where's my paycheck please <laughs> yeah right I mean, he went to the academy for four years <laughs> if you're a security <laughs> officer haven't you had training like how did you die by a stick yeah yeah i think it's honestly also showing the time that starfleet is in because they're so much like so heavy on the exploring that they forget that they're going to be in like crisis crises a lot you know like there's going to be times where they're going to need security officers and they're not trained like Worf trains them or you know Odo's got a training regiment like all the other security officers we see pretty much after this at least have a seemingly a good amount of people who actually 
I don't know, don't die as dumb, like in these stupid ways. But Yeah, they're more competent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this brings up a question that I've always had and who knows what the answer is, but Scotty is obviously chief engineer and he's wearing a red shirt. Ahura is in red, she's in communications, but Scotty is not the head of security, right? It's like a random dude who we don't know or maybe like fluctuates. So I thought that was interesting that he's whoever it is, is not featured to like be in charge of all yeah. these red shirts. It's like, they're just like <laughs> filing down into the grave one by one without yeah. someone to train them. I mean, um, why didn't, I, I kind of feel like they missed the mark. Like they should have made Sulu a red shirt. I mean, he takes his shirt off and does like some fencing yeah. maneuvers in, it is in, no, that's not in mirror mirror. Is it? it's in a different episode. Uh, no, that's naked, naked time. time. Naked yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. That should have made sense. Um, but yeah, why not have someone like him? At least he has some level of hand to hand training. I mean, even in yeah. the JJ verse movies, they make, uh, Sulu have uh, some level of of combat skills, albeit not very much. But yeah, they're just kind of running wild. They have no turn. They're like, you guys are just on the ship, and if we need you, we'll holler and you come down and be some kind of brunt force. But you know, the brunt force isn't very good if you get killed by a stick. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> I think they're also trying to show, in like a comical way, how dangerous it is to be doing space travel. I know. Well, this was like during the space race. Like there was a lot going on, and so they're. I know the like Voyager accident didn't happen until much later, like in the eighties, but if it's a, if it's, if they're trying to like show how space is dangerous and uh, people are going to be dying all the time, it's definitely not handled very well, but it keeps no. it light and it, it keeps, you know, it's like, Oh, what's on it's star Trek. You know, let's not like cry too heavily about the like thing that this, the method that this person just died. I don't know. Yeah. It's the tone yeah. of the show more yeah. so than focusing on the death. Yeah. I, you know, you, you hit a good point with this, the, the tone of it and it being in the 60s and it having a, you know, lightheartedness to it, too. I think I think the bat the Batman, the Batman show was in the 60s as well. Right. And so yes. the the fighting style, right, that that's in the Batman, the fighting styles and, and the deaths and the demises that are in Star Trek. I mean, um, there's a lot of campiness, like the fighting styles in, in, in Star Trek with Captain Kirk's fighting styles in particular, which were. You know he's very acrobatic for for a captain, and he's got a lot of he's got a lot of a lot of great fighting moves there. But you know, I think the world and the the country probably needed that. It was a very serious time in in the sixties, and 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 so the campiness there was, I'm sure, very very welcome too. At the same time, absolutely agree. Rihanna and I that. call uh, the like those chops that Kirk does to random people, Kirk chops. Yeah, <laughs> and Kirk rolls when he's yes. rolling around the dirt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always like the one where he puts both his hands together and goes like, Ugh, like hits upwards <laughs> yeah. and hits like this, you know, at the side. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I guess two hands are better than one, but I'm like, what, what, what is that? I, you know, it's just I don't know yeah. who choreographed that, but Kirk had like the same three or four moves he used over and over again. And so this I thought it was so very good. funny. But yeah, yeah, I like that. I'm a, we might have to steal that, the Kirk chop. That's really good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, please take it. Yeah, it's not trademarked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then the palm punches come in TNG. Like, Worf ah, is yes. just palm punching everybody. And I'm like, how is, how? <laughs> like, how is that? Uh, Riker, yes. Riker does that too, doesn't he? Riker does a couple, couple a of palm of them, punches. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah. Starfleet's, uh, you know, combat fighting skills training is, uh, leaves a little bit to be desired, but. <laughs> yeah. 
they're growing and learning, I guess. Absolutely. Well, before we transition out of TOS, I want to just also talk about, like, I think Bones, his most famous line comes as a result of all of these deaths is he's dead, Jim, which is like classic. You know, I feel like these two memes, these two like parts of culture go hand in hand because he says that like probably for every single winter, you know, even the off-screen ones like, oh, he's dead, Jim. He's been, his body's like out of salt. He's dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's such a good point. I can't believe I forgot to like put those two together, but you're absolutely right. And I think that's the first thing I knew about Star Trek was like the red shirts dying and the he's dead, Jim. And just that it was like culturally really significant and that my dad watched it. Like that's, you know, it's just so interesting that that's like what we pick up on. Yeah. I love it. So we were already talking a little bit more about like TNG and DS9 Voyager going on to different Star Treks. So obviously the command structure shifts as we move on and red and the red shirts are now the yellow shirts. So security is in yellow and we actually have chief of security, someone who's on the bridge almost regularly. And I I'll say from the next generation, a, a group death that really like hit me is in the episode Q who, uh, because Q, this is our, not our introduction to Q at all, but it's the first time we see that he's really, he does not care about playing with the lives of us tiny humans. And he decides to fling the Enterprise D into the path of the Borg and they encounter a Borg cube and 12 crewmen die as a result of this. And Q, after the end of the episode, he eventually returns them to Federation space, back to the Alpha Quadrant, but he is does not replace those 12 lives and Picard is pissed he's adamant he's like why like this was so this was terrible you just killed these people basically for no reason like to teach us this lesson and I can't remember the exact line but Q has some smarky snarky response like oh well now you know how serious it is or something like that and I that one really hits me that death of all those people yeah it was something like um yeah, now you know it's dangerous out here, and 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 you have to take it seriously. Like, yeah, you're you're right. Um, so that was very that was a very like interesting like exchange with you know with Q and and, and Picard, and yeah, Q Q starts the whole thing in the conflict conflict with the Borg. Um, but it but it is interesting because that is um for Q, you're right. Like the human, you know, he's human beings are so like, at least he thinks. Many of them are so 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 insignificant, like like to him, like they don't even matter. So, um, and there's only like a few human beings like in existence that kind of catch catches attention, you know, Picard and Janeway. Um, so so it is it is really interesting. It is really kind of in- interesting to see that because Q thinks that humans are disposable, right? So so certain humans are are disposable. So he's trying just to use that to teach teach us a lesson. That makes me think about even encounter at Farpoint and just his role in like freezing Natasha or Natasha Yar, LOL, <laughs> um, freezing Tasha Yar and uh, freezing that other crew member. And, you know, like it's clear that he has this disregard and he's actually been the cause of quite a few of our quote unquote red shirt deaths. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, Chris, the reason why Cisco doesn't catch Q's eyes because Q 
Q gets punched in the face by Cisco. And so he <laughs> yes. never returns. Picard didn't re- punch me. <laughs> if Picard had just punched him in the face, then he would have probably left him alone. But then again, we also wouldn't have had that unbelievably moving scene at the end of season two of Picard. So, yeah, uh, you know, there, there's, yeah. some, there's some give and take there. But yeah, Cisco C- 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 doesn't have time for Q's crap. You, get, <laughs> nope. you know, that's what I So, yeah. But I think it, I, I do think it's it's interesting how they did, like you said, Ashlyn, how they switched the colors, right? How you have now red being for command, the command track, um, and then uh, mustard gold or yellow or whatever you want to call it for operations, engineering, security type stuff. Uh, imagine, I, I don't know if I could imagine Picard wearing that mustard gold yellow uniform. I just don't know that it would have. I guess when they made TNG, they decided that red looked more. You know, I I don't even know the term stout or more just, you know, uh, leadership driven or something. But I I would have I would think Gene Roddenberry at that point when he's making TNG would have already kind of known about the, you know, kind of fandom of the random red shirts or the red shirt deaths in the series. Maybe he decided we're not we don't want that to continue on in TNG. So we're going to switch this up and see what happens. Yeah, he's like, we'll still kill ensigns and stuff, but we're not going to put them in red and. I think too, like they changed aesthetically just a little bit to like darker tones, which was a nice switch as well, because, because TOS needed to be bright and colorful and um, catch, catch the eye and be this sort of fun show that the the time needed. Then, you know, the eighties come along and TNG, they're ready for it. You know, people are ready for this type of show. And I think it was a, a smart move, but it also brings up these questions of like Worf and Jordy and some of the people changing shirts sometimes in season one and I know that this is also just how season ones go sometimes like you have things in pilots and stuff that never return for the rest of the series and it's always just a funny like oh that happened and that's so common in Star Trek too but I just always wonder like what changed for these two dudes like did they go into command for a bit? Like, what's their story? (laughs) Yeah I wonder if it's something to do with the character development or the you know the uh, the showrunner themselves or if it's something to do with like bob blackman who was the the costume guy for star trek for many 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 years if that was just something that he decided or he came to gene i i don't know the whole story behind it but i've always kind of been fascinated by like who who made those calls was that gene's call was that you know robert blackman or bob blackman's call who who decided the color switch i'm i'm not sure but i i do agree with you run i think when they made it went to the darker red at least how it, it, it appears darker on screen um I think that was the right call. I, I think the the red for command really made the most sense. Yeah, absolutely. I I just I want to go back to Worf and Jordy because it cracks me up. And I I'm in a bunch of different Star Trek groups on Facebook, and in Star Trek wholesome posting, some very concerned person posted this like very long paragraph question, like why does Worf change his shirt after he becomes security officer? Because like did he? want to not be in command anymore was he in command like how like in the command division like how does that track work you know like okay you're an ensign and you choose your discipline like okay i'm gonna go into the sciences but then as you keep going like what if Riker was a science officer and then he just decides oh i'm red now i'm going into command like at what level does that happen and there's uh, the person i just thought it was such a precious question it's like is Worf okay was he forced to change the color of his shirt what's going on and you know we don't have to overthink it but i i did think it was interesting yeah they do they do change don't they i, I can imagine like um that example you i was thinking about janeway at the at the time actually you said that because janeway is a oh, scientist yeah. right mm-hmm. Jane, janeway is a scientist 
Um, so I imagine at some point she was in blue, and then when she went into the command track, then then she went red. So I'm thinking that might have been her circumstance, and and so yeah. Yeah, interesting. So. Yeah, yeah. I actually do have. Oh, your, nice. Um, red shirt Jordy from season one, and uh, Riker beardless Riker. <laughs> Uh, I have quite a lot of red shirts over here, so I have a whole army to share with you all later. <laughs> the That's army's awesome. Not, the army's not going to survive the podcast, Rihanna. <laughs> yeah, like one by one. Could be an accidental red shirt death. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> a cat might get to them. I'm worried. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about tapestry because when Q sends Picard back in like to redo his life he's in blue that kind of like turquoisey color and he's only mm -hmm. a lieutenant so i yeah i don't know i'm sure someone who has read these read the novels knows <laughs> the yeah, dynamics of that. like yeah. when do i change my shirt but i mm -hmm. i do think it's interesting isn't it interesting too how they go with from toss which has the different colors and all that stuff right and then you get into the movies and all everybody wears monster maroons they're all red <laughs> I guess it's always like, well, we're all wearing red, so we can't all die, right? Uh, <laughs> I do find that. I mean, the most iconic, point. yeah, the most iconic Star Trek nice. uniform is probably the Monster Maroon. It's the most recognizable, you know, I would say. Or I mean, you can make arguments with that with Toss, but that's probably the most recognizable. So it is interesting how they, that whole dynamic of these random red shirt deaths and everything in Toss and the random crew members, and then everybody's like, oh, we're all wearing red now. Yeah, so the true. movies crack me up because they just choose a whole new different like uniform scheme, structure, everything, depending on the movie, too, especially for the original series. Like, Yeah, well, I, I yeah. saw in an interview or saw. Yeah, I saw in an interview that with George Takei at one of the conventions where the reason why they switched from the motion picture uniforms, which I was not a fan of the motion picture uniforms. I think they were terrible, but they went from that to the Monster Maroons because in, in the motion picture, the actors couldn't go to the bathrooms by themselves. They needed assistance to get out of their costumes to go to the bathroom. So they all said, that's it. If you don't change these, we're not doing another one. So they had to go back and completely redesign the outfits so that grown adults could go to the bathroom themselves. So that was kind of the, the wow. reasoning behind that from George Takei. And I was like, that's really fascinating. That's, that's incredible. Insane. That's hilarious. <laughs> so that's why it's that's why they switched from the, the motion picture um, costumes to uh, Wrath of Khan. And this is why... I have a hard time remembering things in life because I have so much random useless crap floating around in my head that <laughs> it takes up all the brain space that I have left. But hey, it's good for podcasts. So <laughs> yeah, it's great for podcasts. It's bad for everyday life though. <laughs> I can't believe that. That's amazing. Like great fact. And also the fact that they just continue to go with jumpsuits in TNG. Like they are not separate. And I think even Janeway wears a jumpsuit. Like that's, they are, are everyone's obsessed with cat suits for the women and jumpsuits for the officers. What, like what's going on? I don't want to think about that bathroom situation either, you know? Or you had the early season TNG cosmic cheerleader outfit that even the men wore. Yeah. yeah. That. that was, I don't know who designed that, but in the future men wear uh, uh, skirts apparently, at least for the first. That was I think, epic. Yeah. I think it was only the first season, right? I think after that, that those went away because Troy was in one too, I think for a while. She wore one at one point and i'm assuming they were all like yeah no you can't sit down in these because it kind of you know exposes a little too much so um they got away from those but yeah they still have uh dress uniforms what like though that i really like that design you know but the difference is that they wear pants now yeah that's the distinction yeah. for sure oh man um yeah so i think we should talk a little bit about some of the deaths that were either occurred from an actual red shirt or just from a lower decker or someone who is 
you know, does not have that plot armor. And one of the one that instantly comes to mind for me is, of course, the poor lady who gets fused into the bulkhead in the episode, in theory. It's like the most horrifying picture and I could, it's seared into my brain always um, because especially I saw TikTok, I can't remember who it was, but she was saying like, oh yeah, it's so crazy that this episode was in theory, which is the one where Data gets a girlfriend, you know, like the, the other half of the plot is so cute and happy. And then this poor woman is dying. Like, it's just, it's so wild. Yeah. Her torso is like sticking up out of the floor and her arms are oh. in like crazy positions. Yeah. Yeah. And she's wearing a yellow shirt. So yes. you start to see, I mean, there, there were deaths of other colors, as you guys mentioned in toss, but now it becomes a thing where it's not just the red shirts. In fact, I would argue, I think from TNG on more uh, yellow and blue shirts, quote unquote, die than any of the red shirts do because the majority of the red shirts are command track folks. So they're they're a little bit more precious, I guess, than the the rando the rando ops or security or engineer person who just gets stuck into a floorboard like that. Yeah, oof. <laughs> yeah, rough. it becomes just security officer deaths, and I do think you know we mentioned that they're being better trained, but the use of them for the plot is just it's so important because how are you going to set up stakes if you don't have someone getting critically maimed or like or or dying uh to show how dangerous something is so i, or I Worf think, getting his ass kicked sorry to interrupt poor yeah. Worf, yeah. Yeah, that that's really true if but you see a strong character and Worf can't even fight him oh lord like good luck <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, can we just mention that another person who started out as a red shirt and switched is O'Brien? Yes. I forgot, but you're so right. Yeah. Yeah. He, oh. he, sur he survived his time as a red shirt, became a yellow shirt, and then things really got hairy for him after that. Yes. That was, that was when he was the transporter chief, was when he was red shirt on uh, No, I, I think it was, I don't know if he was there still a red shirt in the second season of TNG. I can't remember, but I remember him being on the bridge at like the uh the, and i think he sat even in the the seat that the the con yeah the um, battle bridge right is where i'm he, thinking of him yeah he was on the battle but i think he was also on the main bridge too him and i remember i remember at one point seeing him i think him and jordy sitting together on, yes. on the bridge and him and maybe uh, uh wesley at one point sitting on the bridge but he did have a red shirt and that was always kind of like oh he just went from apparently he didn't do well there because then they moved him and they stuck him in some random transporter room three and said you're just going to beam people on and off the ship you know uh hopefully not into space and then go from there so I, I found that interesting how he almost like he got demoted from his position to just transporter chief and they're like oh you're kind of good at this you have some knowledge now we're going to give you chief of operations on a on a freaking space station <laughs> yeah what a glow up wow <laughs> he always gets hosed i'm telling you he's always getting hosed yeah keiko was like oh, you this is an amazing promotion, Miles. Like, let's yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, you actually get to do stuff besides just like I don't know if you guys have seen that cartoon meme where it's just a bunch of pictures of O'Brien and his look never changed in the transporter room, and then that, I thought that was pretty funny too. So, oh my gosh, Wesley. yeah, so accurate. Wesley also has a red shirt in his short time. Yeah. So I don't know what that's about because it seems like yeah, Brianna, thank you. There's she's I holding up oh, yeah. every character as we talk about yeah. them. Yeah, because he's I mean he should be in the science department, right? Like what's he doing? He just kind of floats around the ship doing whatever he wants. Yeah, you know I mean I'm gonna cite Lower Decks as my response here because it's the only way I can think about like Wesley is you know still 
learning a lot about Starfleet and about what he wants to do and his path in life. And I remember, I remember that Rutherford went through a like similar transition in Lower Decks where he was like, do I like, should I try other divisions? And he went around to all of them and had like different shirts on and stuff, was wearing blue for a bit, you know? And so I think that's really interesting that it was probably Wesley just like, okay, maybe, yeah, I've been on the con for a while. I enjoy it, but like, I, maybe I want to command and then you know obviously he had a different life path after that yeah i don't even know if he wears a shirt now as a traveler so maybe he busted out some of those ugly sweaters he wore as a kid yes. oh yes yeah. the iconic I know. sweaters yeah i know they're iconic but you 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 have to admit i mean they would win first place at an ugly christmas sweater contest every single Easy. year oh, if the enterprise yeah. had yeah. one they were they were they were certainly 80s and early 90s sweaters um, yeah so maybe he's wearing Cisco. that as a traveler yeah, 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 Jake. Jake they can wore have some, a like a competition. <laughs> yeah, J Jake's Jake Cisco wore some pretty horrendous stuff. It's like, hey, there's Jake Cisco. Well, how can you tell? Well, he kind of stands out. His outfit's louder than he is. So yes, <laughs> exactly. Those those would be perfect, like holiday and Christmas sweaters. I think. I think for sure. I, I thought um, since we were talking about Wesley Crusher um, in the in the I think it was the last one of the last episodes of Picard. Um, but I thought it was great. I thought it was great that he was back. And uh, what's what struck me was, as I saw <laughs> as I saw Will Wheaton, and he came in as as the traveler. What what really stood out to me was he just looked so jubilant to be there. He was like so 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 happy, <laughs> and that that made me it made me happy. But I also made me very very very. Um, laugh, laugh inside just he just looked thrilled to be there which was great yeah yeah he's like i'm not on the ready room i'm in the show <laughs> <I'm> in <track. laughs> yeah it also made me wonder is like is he also you know happy the fact that picard's not looking over his shoulder telling him to shut up exactly <laughs> yeah. the, one, the one scene wesley has where he's not being told to shut up by picard because it's i mean obviously it's a little bit of a running gag he's not always told that but i just found mm -hmm. that pretty funny too I, I instantly thought like are we gonna get a shut up wesley here but yeah, that's the that's the red shirt of the like the red shirt death of the TNG era is just shut up, Wesley. Like, yeah, oh. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. Nope. Yeah, he, he wasn't wearing a sweater. I was very disappointed. Yeah. I, I don't even remember what he was wearing. Like, a, just it was a like a jacket shirt. or something. I he, think he yeah. just looked like Will Wheaton. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought instantly. I was like, oh, it's Will Wheaton. I, I mean, it's Wesley. <laughs> like, oh my god. Yeah, incredible. Uh, we were talking about other things that kind of became like memes, you know, and uh, the other person I want to shout out and just RIP to is uh, the con officer Ensign Haskell, who died in Where Silence Has Lease. And I don't really remember this episode, but at least looking at the website, you know, I remember it instantly. Oh, he's the one that they everyone uses the meme face for. Where he's like in pain and agony and he's on the bridge. Um and he's wearing a red shirt. So it was just, it's tragic to see. And I just want to shout him out. <laughs> was that like when his head exploded or was that yeah, conspiracy? I, so. I know because well, there's a lot of head, head explosions in conspiracy. <laughs> conspiracy, isn't that the guy who's posing as like the second in command and then they find out he's an alien or something like that? And then, like, his whole oh, body explodes or something. Yeah. I love that one. Yeah. Also yeah. a red shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Crazy. <laughs> Um, we have not talked about Enterprise at all because there's no red shirts. And yeah. yet Archer loses so many crewmates also, like probably the most. I haven't looked up these stats, but a lot of people die in Enterprise too. And of course, it is the nature of how early on the show takes place. Space travel is absolutely deadly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, they don't. They definitely don't wear full blown red shirts. They have the little red lines on their yeah. flight suits. But Enterprise's costumes were cool because those are the most closest to reality now, right? Like to what the military, what pilots and stuff will wear in the military, is those. <clears throat> excuse me, those flight suits. And so, yeah, there definitely is no like solid red shirt. But uh, if I, I would think if there's any captain that you could give a little bit of leniency to for deaths of crew members, it would be Archer because they are, I mean, you think about like the Vulcans and, and stuff like that. Like they don't want to share a lot of their technology with the humans. Like the humans want to go out on their own. The Vulcans are like, yeah, oh, you're not ready. You're not ready. They go out anyways. And then the Vulcans just kind of snub their nose at them. Like they're inferior and everything. Um, so I, I would probably give the most leniency to, to Archer because at what point, do you say, well, you don't have that good of weapons. You don't really have shield. You have, you know, polarized hull and you have to go out into the unknown, having no clue what you're going to face on your own, minus the assistance of DePaul and hope for the best. Yeah, absolutely. And especially when they go into the expanse and are getting like wrecked every single episode, you know, the ship is barely being held together. There's so many people like dying or injured. And I think about like, Ashlyn and I just finished our spooky series and that was such a blast and we did talk a lot about random deaths you know because it's usually used it can be used as sort of a, a spooky way to start an episode and so I'm remembering one where um I don't think they end up dying actually but these these poor you know little ensigns or maybe their lieutenants are just talking about like hey come to movie night blah 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 and then one of them goes back because they hear something and they're like hey was that you blah 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 like it's it's such the absolute trope you know of like oh and then the red shirt quote unquote gets taken and now he's like I think it was Voxola when they're like dangling from the like gross yes. uh vines or whatever or it's like a hive mind um <laughs> so I just I think that they did well with showing the stakes of the episode through, you know, if even if they're not dying, they're showing like the the tension of, oh, no, one, someone's got been taken or someone just got vaporized or something like that. It's it's a, I don't know. It feels kind of fresh in a way because every or every uh, Star Trek does have its different take on like, how are we going to kill off these randos or how are we going to show that this situation is really urgent? Yeah. Um, yeah. Enterprise, Enterprise was the, I'm not sure there was another one like this, but I, they were in the expanses. And when they, when they encountered the, the Vulcan ship, the Vulcan ship that had been um, kind of affected by the phenomenon in the expanse, and they were essentially Vulcan zombies. I don't remember like any other Star Trek episode that was like that. That was like, they were like against zombies. And I thought, I thought that was, that was really cool. I thought that was original for, for Star Trek and, and really kind of exciting and, and have them in, <laughs> It was a very zombie-ish episode, like have them running away from zombies and trying to make it out alive. So I did like that a lot, a, a tremendous lot from, from that. Yeah, yeah, totally. And Chris, that reminds me too that uh, they had the Mako officers on board. And so this mm -hmm. is actually like, okay, they did have some training early on and that they lost it all when they got to TOS. Like that era, they were just like, now we're peaceful and we're exploring and we don't need to learn about like safety protocol or like how to hand-to-hand -hand combat that kind of stuff but I remember those Mako officers like drilling them you know and every we saw all of our crewmen going through that type of training including like Hoshi and just people yeah. who you know like just to make sure that they try to survive this 
Yeah, what happened between what happened between Enterprise and Toss? Because in Toss, every time somebody dies, they have this expressive look on their face, like, "Oh my gosh, I didn't see this coming." You know, like they're always so surprised when they go to die. You're like, "Wait, how are you surprised? You're always taken by surprise by something, right?" Every once in a while, that makes sense, but everybody's always got this shocked look on their face when they die, like, "Oh," you know. Versus in Enterprise, they're they're being trained, and and I don't know, maybe the explanation is is the whole Mako thing didn't work out, like. Maybe there's some Makos who went rogue. I don't know, but you're you're all, you're all right on that, Rihanna. Like, what happened? Why did this go away? Yeah, I mean, I, my only explanation is Star Trek Beyond. Like, I think, but but even so, that's like an alternate universe anyway. But they were like, I think Edison was the captain. We used to be like in charge of Ma- not in charge, but like a Mako officer, and was like fighting the war against the Zindi and stuff. And so he had a really hard time coming back to just being explorers and having peace and he wanted to be back in war and stuff and so I'm like maybe a lot of them didn't adjust well and then they were just like kicked out of Starfleet or went crazy that's <laughs> exactly know. what I was going to say Rihanna is I think that the Federation is like they made it because it's peace and it's all the species are working together for a common goal and so they're trying to distance the themselves from the idea of a military even though star trek is essentially a military so yeah that's a really interesting interesting question so maybe a lot of mago officers just left and then we have everyone at tos (laughs) (laughs) yeah so talking about you know trek as we're getting closer and closer to present time i can't help but think about discovery a lot because there is not camp in discovery it is a show that i is trying (laughs) trying to be like quote unquote i think like realistic like serious trek and the deaths that occur on that show i want to say like arium is the closest thing to like a red shirt that we have but she gets a whole episode spent on we get to know her and her interactions with the crew even though we've only seen her in a couple episodes we like she's a character on the bridge who you forget her name and yet we have this whole episode that's a deep dive into her past and present and then we lose her by the end of the episode very sad i don't like watching it because it makes me cry pretty much every single time yeah and so i i wonder about like how 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 does current trek deal with killing red shirts and is it has it gone too far the opposite direction where we're like weeping over this character we never knew or is it good is it actually just like good writing now i i don't know what are your thoughts yeah i mean i i think i also want to like include strange new worlds in this discussion too because there are quite a few that are like really emotional obviously the big one (laughs) Um, but even like even so the more like quote-unquote random crewmen get way more emotional deaths and I think it's something that actually is helping Trek excel in a different way and helping us explore like the nature of a ship and how it isn't just all the bridge officers hang out together all the time like I'm sure that they have friends from all different like parts of the ship you know especially people I'm thinking about even Ransom and Lower Decks who's like friends with the whale or not the whale friends with the like I guess it is a whale (laughs) they have from Cetacean Ops you know so like you know you've got friends from all over the ship and it doesn't matter rank as much and so I like that they're able to explore how deaths of like the lower ranking officers can really affect the entire crew in different ways depending on the relationship. Brianna, thank you. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. And Ashlyn, um, yeah, I, I think the the new shows and, and Discovery, and I'm not, I'm definitely not as current, like up to Discovery. Strange New Worlds, I am, but not Discovery. But but the deaths that have occurred, they they have been different, right? There's much more 
um, they're not trivial by any means, right? They're, so they're they're ex they're exploring um, who they are uh, as individuals, um, kind of get, letting the audience get get to know them, um, and then and so it's much much more <clears throat> impactful when 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 they die, when they when they go away, or when something happens to them. I actually think that's that is a that's a good thing, right? Because it it brings it brings much more more um, you know, uh, awareness to the themes and what's being discussed in that those particular episodes of Star Trek, and and then awareness that those relationships uh, amongst amongst the crew, whatever whatever crew you are, whatever crew or starship you serve on, those relationships are like real, like intangible, and so you should never take those for for granted. So so I think like that having that aspect in in the writing um, is a positive like like move move forward. Now I think there should be very there should be episodes that are fun that are just enjoyable that are very very lighthearted, um, but in, in in general you know I think yeah that's that's good because you have to acknowledge that um, there's an effect to the 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 people around and never take anyone like around your crew for granted. So so I think that's a, a very nice step forward. Yeah, and uh, quick to add like also just how it like it can work a little better because. Mm -hmm. Discovery is a continuitist show. And so you can see how the death of Ariam or a crew member would affect them in more of a long-term scale when we're talking Voyager and, you know, Janeway, of course, is mourning the death of a, a crewman. And then the next episode, she's like dancing on the holodeck and crewman <laughs> who, you know, like you, you, you can't have that continuity in that way, which is great in both respects. Like I like it each way. And so it's cool how Star Trek is so versatile. Yeah, yeah. Because you said Voyager, I'd been thinking about about something like this, and I, I to point out something I uh, that I thought Voyager did excellent, and was with Janeway, and was with the episode of of Tuvix that dealt dealt with um, dealt with her caring for her crew members and loving her crew members like very genuinely, and then her having to make a decision, and her being the only one to be able to make that decision and carry it out. And no one else, you know, having having support. But but Janeway like did did that, and that was an act of of love, right? Of for for her her crewmen there. So, um, you know, you, like Rihanna, you you mentioned uh, Voyager, and I wanted to say I I had never seen an episode that kind of treated that so um, that kind of a problem or that conundrum like like as as delicately, and then. Um, and the way Janeway did it, right? The, the the way Janeway did it, you could see, you know, she carried it out with. Uh, um, it was hard. It was very hard, very very hard for her, but she she saw it through to the end. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for all of this wonderful conversation. I I kind of want to close out the episode the same way that we ended with your podcast last week. So I'm wondering, off the top of your heads, do you have a favorite? and least favorite red shirt and this can this can be their your favorite death your <laughs> least favorite death any way you want to interpret the question so rihanna i'm wondering what your thoughts are about this oh i have to go first okay um wow i you did not think ahead on this you don't have to if <laughs> Do you, you want would to. you like to lead us ashland if you have an answer oh i will absolutely lead us okay. because we were talking <laughs> about voyager and i can't hold this in anymore so uh, you have to go back and re-watch the pilot <laughs> a voyager because the guy Rihanna and i like laugh so hard about this all the time the guy who was supposed to be first officer of voyager i think his name is cavett yeah. he like runs to his death 
I can't even get yeah. through this. I no, mean- <laughs> she, she literally Janeway says like brace for impact and he sprints across the bridge and it just like he's he's gone. That he instant. does not brace for impact. He like no. starts sprinting <laughs> and he does not make it to the Delta Quadrant. Like it's it's tragic. The first officer like gone. Yeah. He like explodes on the ship. It's it's, it's horrendous yeah. and I can't stop laughing. It's definitely my favorite redshirt death. Um, I, I only say red shirt. I mean, he, he is actually in a red shirt and we don't really know him. So I'm counting yeah. Tabit. Mm-hmm. Then I would say least favorite is in um, uh, What Little Girls Are Made Of in the original series. This is the episode where <laughs> Chapel thinks she thinks her fiance is alive after not hearing from him for five years on this planet. And Kirk beams down with Chapel and a couple of red shirts and the i can't remember the guy's name um who's like the sec- like security officer for the fiance but he's this like really tall alien rook? dude yeah the, rook the, uh, thank Andrew. you yeah yes yeah rook he pushes a red shirt off the cliff and i just you know i i just feel bad for him you know yeah just a sad death and totally meaningless because that episode did not need to have all these red shirt deaths yeah those are great rihanna have you had time to think about your yes i I have indeed (laughs) um so i'm gonna start with my least favorite who i was just thinking about galileo 7 again and i absolutely you know i know that they definitely a lot of the red shirts had points about spock and i have issues with spock in that episode absolutely but i think the way this i don't do not remember their names but a couple of the red shirts like treated spock due to the situation just like irks me, it always gets me the wrong way because it's not about his command ability. It's about him not being able to like feel or emote in the way that they want him to, you know? And so that always just bugs me. So that's probably my least favorite. And then I think I'm just going to go with my favorite red shirt, like in total, which is Uhura for sure. Like she, of course, like thrives throughout all of TOS and TAS and into the movies and everything. And I love seeing her be like get in the closet you know in the movies and just be badass and I just love Uhura so much and she always rocks the red and is safe you know she's one of the safe red shirts like Scotty you know that like if she's gonna have a death she's gonna be faked out and she'll be alive pretty soon so it's really lovely and definitely my fave. Chris do you have your answers ready? I, I do they're on the red shirt demises my my favorite red shirt demise is uh, from the episode The Apple, I believe, where one of them is uh, meets his demise from the poison flower. And I just can't imagine, like, how do you um, how do you write that report as the captain? Like, so he was met his demise by poisonous flower. So that 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 was my favorite. My least favorite demise was the one from where little girls are made of. I think it's the same one where he just I don't think I don't know that we see him. We just hear him. We just hear, hear him fall. And that was it. So those are those are my my favorite and my least favorite red shirt demises yeah yeah i think about kirk like calling his mom you know or like (laughs) making the report like your son he touched a flower (laughs) we all miss him yeah (laughs) (laughs) zach what about you do you have favorites and least favorite red shirts uh, I don't know if I have as far as the demises go. I mean, getting killed by some magical cloud or of, you know, I don't even know. That would be, that would also be the same thing, Chris. Like, how, how do you write the report? Like, dude died by death, death by cloud. 
I, I don't I don't know. Um, Gl- glittering cloud too. Glitter, yeah, glittering yeah. cloud. Yeah, yeah. glittering yeah. cloud. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Spark- <laughs> sparkly cloud was killed by sparkly cloud. Um, so I, I would say probably my favorite red shirt is got to be Cisco. Um, I mean, Cisco to me has some of the most emotionally driven episodes in all of Star Trek. And I know I'm a little biased because it's DS9, but you look at things like Far Beyond the Stars in the Pale Moonlight, which isn't so much emotionally driven, but it's certainly a very um, popular episode and very important in the development of his character as the war against the Dominion goes on. Um, and then, of course, you also have the visitor where he's where he's traveling, caught in time and traveling and seeing his son. And yeah, that uh, you can't watch that. If you if you don't like shed a tear watching that episode, then you are a green blooded Vulcan. And even the Vulcans would shed a tear at that episode. So that tells you something. Um as far as my least favorite red shirt, uh, I don't know if I have. I, I guess I would say my least favorite red shirt death would probably be Hemmer's death in episode nine of the first season of Strange New Worlds. We, we, we talked with with Bruce Horak on our podcast, and I remember he mentioned about, you know, uh, finding out he was going to die and everything. He just wanted to be a, a, a cool death. You know, he didn't want to push some random button and go, what does this do? You know, and then die randomly. Um, but ah, I was so sad. Like I did not expect them to kill his character off. And that was, that's just really good writing. There was no hints that they were going to do that, but I kind I know there, I know there's fan theories out there like, well, you know, he's Enar, so he's used to the cold. So maybe he falls, but then he served the aliens burst out. He survived somehow and everything. And I, I, it's wishful thinking, but, um, I, I, I just I didn't like that they killed his character off. I liked his character a lot. We, we Chris and I both love Hammer. I know we've talked about that before um, and was really looking forward to seeing more of him. I was actually thinking he would be the transition from him to Scotty. Now we're going to get a, a different actress um, who's been in a lot of stuff like Gotham. And uh, she was the old lady in Princess Bride who says, I'm not a witch. I'm your wife. Um, but, but yeah, Hemmer's death for me would rank up there at the top as one of the worst red shirt deaths. I would say Jedzia, but she's not a red shirt. She was, you know, yeah. a blue shirt. If she was a red shirt, she'd be absolutely hundred percent. Number one, worst death. Cause her, yeah. the way they killed her off was horrid. So I will have to go. My least favorite was, was seeing Hemmer die. Cause he was a great character. I, I know there's rumors. We're going to see him again in flashbacks, but, uh, I would like to have seen him more as a character throughout the series. So that's mine. Yeah, thank you, Zach, for bringing up uh, Strange New Worlds and that episode in particular, because I feel like they did a great job, like you said, without any of us realizing that he was going to die because they had sort of the two other deaths of Chia and Duke, who had just been, you know, Duke was just promoted to lieutenant and just getting out of that red shirt, like, safety you know into more of a safe range and then he he died and then chia who had just finished her like cadet training and so we sort of assume okay these people are on the way mission they're probably we don't know them very well but we're getting an emotional kind of goodbye to them so they're gonna die but that was a great distraction from the real tragedy of the episode and um yeah so well done absolutely yeah and he like hammer was a i thought a really great um uh mentor to uhura a young uhura who didn't have a lot of confidence when she came aboard as a cadet right and then kind of some of the mentorship and learning and, and being around hammer she kind of gained that confidence because hammer had that quiet confidence right like he 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 knew what he knew he was very confident in what he knew 
Uh, he knew the ways he, which he could contribute to the crew. So, um, uh, yeah, I, that, that still eats me up that they killed his character off. I would have loved to have seen him, you know, in more, in more standardized episodes versus if we do see him again in flashbacks. So, um, yeah, that, that still eats me. I, I was very sad. I don't think I cried, but I was very sad when they killed Hammer off. I thought that was, in my opinion, that was like the one big thing I really disagreed with, with Strange New World so far, um, that I did not like was, was Hammer's death. Yeah, I know when Hammer goes, do not weep for me. I'm over here like weeping. I'm like, too yeah, late, bro. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, don't yeah. weep for me. I've had a good life or whatever. And I'm like, no. no. You know? Because yeah. I mean, what when when else do we see Enars other than a couple episodes of, of Enterprise? It was such a great thing to bring in, you know, basically uh somewhat of a new species or new alien species into the show that we didn't know much about other than those couple episodes of Enterprise that they're in. And oh by the way, I believe the first Enar serving in Starfleet. So to, yeah. that was a really unique thing. And and yeah, I don't I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> I'm sad. Yeah. Yeah. It's the worst decision I think they made in that season. And Strange New Worlds is a wonderful show. I'm with you. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I want to bring up this quote to kind of close us out a little bit because uh, we were talking about how the red shirts and the death of the red shirts are so iconic in Star Trek history. They're, they're memeable. Like people will go to conventions dressed as like a, a, a dead red shirt or a zombie red shirt or all. There's so many funny ways and spins to take on it. Like just the memes alone are incredible. And so I love that even in Lower Decks, a show that is so Star Trek referential, there is a line where Boimler is joining a group called the Red Shirts. It's all about ranking up and Boimler asks about the name and Jennifer says, oh yeah, it makes us sound invincible, right? I just love that. The like blindness of like, of course they wouldn't know what the fandom thinks about the Red Shirts deaths and everything. And they're a little safer in, in this era, but it's just iconic. And I think wonderful sort of ode to this crazy phenomenon that became deaths of these like strangers essentially yeah thank you for bringing that up Brianna that's just yeah. one of the many ways Lower Decks is amazing yeah absolutely oh, so wow. man this has been such a wonderful discussion and I'm wondering where can we hear your podcast do you have social media please tell us where our listeners can check out your episodes yeah so we're we're on uh, Facebook Instagram we do have a, a newly created YouTube channel where you can check out uh, some of the episodes we've done, um, certainly not all of them. There, there's only, I think we only have like eight videos on there so far because we didn't initially start uh, recording with video. We recorded audio only for a while. And then once we started doing video, uh, we saved those videos. So we have some interviews on there with uh, different celebrity guests like Tracy Coco and uh, Max Cervantes, who's a prop and model builder um, on Star Trek and a, a, a myriad of other science fiction shows and movies like Starship Troopers, for example. Um, we've got, uh, who, who else we have on there, Chris? I, we, we, I think we have our cosplay episode on there where we interviewed a couple of veteran cosplayers, including, um, Eric Allen Hall, who's a hall of fame cosplayer, uh, as well as Tony Kim. Um, we did, we did. Um, we also had Caitlin Hopkins, our first, the fourth, the first Vorta, right? I think the first actress to play a Vorta. So that, that was, that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so we have on YouTube on there. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, and I 
think that's it for right now. I don't think we have any other, I mean, just, just those, those, those main three um, pages, but we, we post the stuff on there all the time. And anytime we have new episodes, we're on there as well. So. Yeah. Well, this has been such a delight to do this podcast exchange. I'm so happy that we were able to guest and host each other on each podcast. I think that the Star Trek podcast community is something really special and really showcases how wonderful the Star Trek community is in general. So Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to us. And once again, I really encourage everyone to check out Random Red Shirt. Yeah, it's it's been a wonderful time having you both on. Yeah, you know, thanks for having us. Thank you so yeah, much. You, this you, has been wonderful. Yeah, yeah you can find our podcast it. anywhere you get get podcasts. Um, we've got, I think we're just over 50 episodes now. So there's a lot of episodes that are not obviously on YouTube that you can check out with celebrity guest interviews and all the different. I mean, we talked. We've talked about a whole myriad of different things, Chris. I mean, besides just Star Trek, we've <laughs> dove into Star Wars, and I mean, um, time travel, time travel, uh, artificial intelligence, just all sorts of. You know, if you're a nerd or a geek about all sorts of things, and then, then there's a lot of good stuff on there to, to to listen to. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for joining us today. And yeah, I'm just so glad we got to do this. There's such a kinship between our podcasts, like the way we started, and just all like the four of us really get to vibe on these pods. So thank you all for tuning in and we hope that you have a great week and live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. Thank you for listening to the Dura Sisters podcast. Please tune in next week for the sixth episode of our holodeck series where Ashton and Brianna will discuss the photonic friends and enemies in Star Trek Enterprise. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Also take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr, TikTok, YouTube, and especially our merch on Threadless. All these can be found in the bio of any of our social media pages. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. Please check out our Patreon, where you have the chance to join any one of our amazing Klingon houses, from our $1 a month tier with Alexander Rozhenko, all the way to $23 a month with Kalis the Unforgettable. Check out these perks, rewards, episodes, and more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these podcast series, pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel, villains, movies, feminism, death fakeouts, first officers, and the spooky series. If you haven't heard a particular series, please go back and listen to any of these spectacular episodes. Social media and marketing by me, Ashton Gelman, and Rihanna Hurd. Editing is done by Rihanna Hurd and Ashton Gelman. Our intro and outro is by Jerry Goldsmith.